With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Anne-Marie Skinner, and thanks for joining me on the Life with Rough Edges podcast, where we will dive into the messiness and mysteriousness of life's valley seasons and how to make it through with your faith still intact. Straight from the top, I need to warn you that on this episode, we'll be discussing an attempted suicide. Thankfully, it was an unsuccessful attempt, but nevertheless, I want to give you that warning in case it triggers any issues for you. The thing about suicide is that there is not just one victim. It impacts the lives of the people closest. Even when an attempt is unsuccessful, there is still a fallout and an impact. My guest this week wants to remain anonymous and the same for the loved one she's sharing about. So we're going to call her Tracy, and her husband will referred to as Captain Feathersoy. Tracy is super brave, is a wife and mum of four, a nurse, and today she'll share about the impact of an attempted suicide by the person closest to her. This is raw. This is real. This is life with rough edges. Tracy, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Anne-Marie. You're welcome. You've actually been a really big support to me in my three or four years of challenges, but you've also had some of yours that we're going to touch on today, isn't it? Yeah. Today is we nearly lost you. And so we're looking at this side of um, grief around suicide. Your story and your partner's story, your husband's story is that that wasn't the the final outcome for you guys, which we're super grateful for. But I know that Mm -hmm. some listening today, that's not how their story went. And Mm -hmm. so I'm very aware that this is quite a a delicate space to be in. Just before we go into anything, I just wanted to say that for me, the idea of that space is really a place of real hopelessness for people Mm. where they can't get out. And I sort Mm. of see it like if a child was slipping down a slippery slope into a pit, we would all try to save them. They can't get out themselves, you know. And so that's how I really frame this discussion, you know, just the the place of complete hopelessness where you can't get out yourself. Mm. And so it's not just a a dark space for that person, Mm. but for those of us who can't help them. Yeah. It can also feel very powerless. So I yeah. just wanted yeah. to frame it in a way that's really sensitive towards those whose stories didn't end this way, Yeah, but also around some of the challenges mm-hmm. in the process. So yeah. can you scroll back a little bit? We're going to mm-hmm. call your your husband. <laughs> what are we calling him? Um, so he would like his alias to be Captain Feathersword. Captain Feathersword. <laughs> Tracy, that sounds great. So how did you and Captain Feathersword meet? <laughs> Um, so we were very young when I met 
t- Captain Feathersword. Yeah. We met in youth group. Okay. So we met when I was 12. You um, were young. I won't tell you how old he was. Okay, but he wasn't 12, <laughs> he was, was he? Was, 12. was he a leader? No, he wasn't a leader. No, he was, but he was an old, much older teenager. Yes. <laughs> so my family was Christian. I grew up Christian home in that particular church all my life. Yeah. Um, his family was very new Christians um, and they just moved to town. And so we met in youth group and we got to know each other there. And we got married pretty young. There was a lot that went on in our early years of our relationship, lots of challenges that we had to face. But that's a whole, like, can of worms that I don't think will open today. We really got to know each other very, very well in the early years before we married. Um, And so we got married when I was 19. So, yeah, pretty young. Pretty young. Um, But we spent, you know, a lot of years being friends and really good friends we knew each other really, really well before then. Um, before that point. And did so, you have kiddies pretty soon after uh, marriage? Or? So we had a few years of marriage yeah. before um, we had kids. But, yeah, um, I was 24 when we had our first. Yeah, And you've yes. got four now. And we've got four now. So it's ta- I'm, I'm a fair bit older than that now. Yes. It's taken us, you know, quite some time to add to the brood. It's yes. been a slow process. Yes. but. With every marriage, there's always yeah. challenges. Um, there's been some financial challenges, yes, lots of business. Yes, yes. We've had lots of big things happen in our marriage and not just between us in our marriage, but lots of external challenges that we've had to overcome. And, and some of those have been challenges that my husband's had to work through on his own. Lots and lots of childhood trauma, yes. lots of different types of childhood and ongoing trauma in his life. Yes. That a lot of it didn't even surface until after we got married. Yeah. And um, he didn't know it was there. Yeah. He didn't know that a lot of the things he'd been through were even, you know, he didn't realise that some of the relationships he'd been in as a child were abusive. Yeah. And so He's really been on a very intense journey for a long time, working through all of that. And I've been there with him through that and it's his journey, but I'm there with him That's and it's right. quite a challenge for both of us. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and it's, in it's different not, ways. It's both of you walking that road when you're supporting someone yeah. who's unpacking some pretty dark yeah. things that yeah. come to the surface, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes those things that come to the surface take us both by surprise. That's right. And I think some of those, when they do arrive, can be triggers sometimes. Yep. Yep. And um, this is like a history of, in, in your marriage, like some of these things coming to the, the fore. But then there was one big moment mm. that is very traumatic mm-hmm. for both of you. I nearly lost a family member recently to, um, to suicide and it, I'm very grateful that they're still here with us, but yeah. it sort of put me in... Um, a state of empathy that I didn't have before mm-hmm. yep. that I can share with people who've gone through, walked down this road. But for you, can you share what happened on that night? So we were talking about triggers and things that take us by surprise. And so this night was one of those times when everything seemed okay. I mean, we, there was a lot of stressful external things around us at that time that were building and building and building. Um, And there was also some health issues as well for my husband that compounded all of this pressure and stress with work and there was a lot going on. Yes, so much. Yeah. Yeah. But this one night 
we were just doing normal things in the kitchen and I just said something which was meant to be just a passing helpful comment which triggered something in him and at the time we didn't know but he's got amazing health support network and one of those professionals is a psychiatrist. Um, He's got a lot of mental illness, a better lack lack yeah, of a better yeah. word, um, but he's Compounded. got ADHD, yeah. PTSD, which we now know. At yes. the time, we weren't fully aware of that, but as a part of that PTSD, the psychiatrist explained something called hijacking, yeah. which is where there can be a trigger and it could be the certain way of someone's footsteps down the hall yeah. or a word or a tone of voice, which... No one can control. No one can, you know, control, you know. but... Just take some little tiny thing to trigger someone and this hijacking is where basically he had an out-of-body experience. He just was so triggered and so heightened to the point where he couldn't even control his response. He didn't even know where his response came from and it was a pretty intense and horrible experience for both of us and neither of us really had control of the situation but it ended with him leaving the house and locking himself in the garage. And I, we've been in situations before where he's talked about ending his life or, you know, thinking maybe he should or or starting the actions to do that and being able to talk talk to him, talk him down and stop it from happening. But this time I couldn't get to the garage quickly enough to stop the door from locking and which we've already said is just this situation where someone just feels so hopeless. Yeah. And But, I yeah. mean, as you've also mentioned, sometimes it's, they're not even in full control of no. this reaction. No. So what a challenging situation for you. I know yeah. you have a nursing background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're very good at helping other people, but this mm. is just the epitome of out of control yeah. in yeah. every sense and of the word. people, when they're in those states of mind, it's hard to help them. It's hard to reach them. Yeah, it's really hard to reach them. And I think as much as I loved him and with all that I know about him and all of my experience wasn't enough to help him in that moment. And yeah, so all I could do at that point was ring Triple O because I knew what he was going to do. Yeah. I'm so glad you did. <laughs> yeah, and had that um, um, wisdom. Yeah, I don't know that I was very nice to the lady. That's <laughs> the phone <laughs> Difficult times. Do you really need to know this? Can you just hurry up, please? Yes, hurry up, please. We're in a a really life and death situation. And did they come soon? Um, It felt like forever. So when I got off the phone, I went outside and I just tried through the door to talk to him and, you know, beg him to open the door and and tell him, actually, yes, I do love you and actually your life does matter, but he couldn't be reasoned. You know, he just was in that hopeless completely hopeless state of um, just thinking really we would be better off without him, like honestly believing that we would be better off without him. And, you know, it wasn't a selfish thing for him at all. There's a lot of stigma around suicide. You can't understand what goes through a person's mind to get them to that point. Yeah, and look, in this area, if there is anyone who's listening to this, we're just our message today is that this space doesn't have to end this way, isn't mm. it? You know, that yep. you are yep. worth, yep. 
you know, being here and yeah. people do love you and it's, you know, there is something for you to be yeah. around for. 100%. Um, yeah. And it's understandable that you may not feel like that, mm. but that's not a truth. That's exactly. actually a hijacking yep. it is. lie it is. about your worth because you are. I, I tell my kids that God dreamt them up, mm, you know, and I believe that's the case for every human. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a challenging moment for you in this time. I can't imagine yeah. just the, the trauma just of both I was just so terrified and I just knew that it was, I was just so out of control of the situation and yeah, but it got to the point before the police and the ambulance did come, the police came first, yes. but before they came, he had succeeded in tying a very good noose Yeah, and he had hung, like yeah. hung and I could hear him on the other side of the door oh, um, and it was the most horrific yeah. Sound and the police were able to get. Um, so what happened was I was still waiting for the police and everything went quiet and I just freaked and then I heard him say something and I was like what? And the noose I didn't know but the knot had slipped enough for him to like his feet to hit the ground and um, that to me is a miracle because he knows knots. And he doesn't do things half-heartedly. And he was fully intended to do a good job. Yeah. There was no, it was no attention seeking, you know, I don't really want to die. No, he wanted yeah. to die. And he would have tied that knot so good. And um, so to me, yeah. the fact that the rope slipped, I remember telling you. Yeah, I, I had written down in my question. <laughs> God saved him because that's the only explanation that there could be. He um, continued to try looking for another spot <laughs> to hang his rope yeah. and that's when the police arrived. Yeah, because I remembered you saying to me you knew that you knew that God saved him and I didn't know why until you shared that detailed and mm. detail and I'm just so grateful. I know that God is bigger than all of this. Mm on whatever way the story ends for different people, you know, God understands our heartache. I read this verse, it says in Psalm 18, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. And I think for Captain Feathersort <laughs> and for anyone who attempts or goes through with these things, it's that things are just too much. In this space, Life With Rough Edges, that we're talking about, I've crafted this space and it's it's hard. We're having to be brave and I'm so grateful for your bravery mm. today. Mm. But I think you and I would both agree that this needs to be a space that people talk about yep. these things in yep. and they talk more openly about mm. because it needs to be, the curtains need to be pulled up open yep. on this yep. to say that this is something that people go through mm. that seems like an option and you just want to explain that there needs to be this support yeah. for both the yeah. family members and yeah. the people dealing with this. Yes. Yeah. Psychological, psych mm -hmm. psychiatric support, medical help yeah. and friend support yes. and family yeah. support yeah. and support for the family members. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I um, felt a little bit on the peripheral um, mm -hmm. that night and on the, the next day, um, even though... You had very much been in my space and been such support in the loss mm. of my family members in my mm. going through grief and depression and, and disease. But um, you really resonated with someone that was going through a trauma that was really quite difficult themselves. Yeah. Why 
Why was that person someone that you felt like was a really safe space for you? It helped that we both had complete... Uh, <laughs> the circumstances were different, Circumstances, yeah. completely different. Um, but we both were looking at the loss of husbands. Yeah. And that was something that we did, I guess. It was, I was able to connect with her on that. I knew that, but it wasn't just that she understood that potential loss. It was that in the lead up to that moment, we had both been able to talk really honestly about our struggles and as much as we love our husbands and as much as we empathise and support them, we also understood each other's struggles when our husbands were being like... (laughs) When they were being in that space, yeah, in that very challenging Um, space. And this person that we were we're talking about is a mutual Mm. friend of ours who's... Husband, you know, yep. my husband's best friend who yep. was passing away from cancer at the time yep. and you had a real camaraderie in your yeah. grief yep. and in your challenges. Yeah. And yep. I guess there's a certain type of bravery that a wife has to have mm. when her husband is going through their own yeah. challenge. Yeah, exactly. It's not easy. It's not easy to, as much as you love them and understand that life is really hard for yes. them, it doesn't make it any easier to deal with the challenges that come from that in your family life. That's right. Some of the deferred trauma for you because there's sometimes where their inability to do something because of the moment that they're in um, compounds the load that you need to carry. Yeah. And it can sometimes Mm -hmm. be a long-term thing. It's not a short, quick fix, is it? No, it's not. I was able to really trust her in that moment, knowing that I could be honest with her and... I knew that she wouldn't judge my husband. Yeah. That was that was my biggest concern through all of this was my need for support, but also my need for him not to be judged. And absolutely. And you have absolutely. to be so, I feel the need to be so careful about who yes. you can trust That's with that right. information because unfortunately, as we mentioned, the stigma around these people mean well but they don't understand and look for for those listening today um we have put your name is under an alias Mm -hmm. and obviously captain (laughs) Pegasus is under an alias and very much wanting to protect this safe space for him Mm. because our greatest joy is that he's with us and that he's fought a really hard battle through some really tricky things so brave and proud of him Mm. but also very protective of the future that you guys have very grateful that you've Mm. been able to be honest with us in this space yeah Yeah, he was really happy for me to be able to share on this because it is really important to him that people learn about mental health health and and suicide and so that people in the future can be more open and get more support in these situations. It can Um, demystify things and make it more accessible for help. And he's really happy for that, but obviously... You know, we're just coming up to the first anniversary and so it's still quite raw and it's still, yeah, it's still pretty fresh. Yeah, sometimes even discussing it can be a trigger. The thing about triggers is you don't know when they're coming. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, so I, yeah, very much appreciate your honesty here. Yeah. I wrote a poem and it's in the book and it sort of opens up the chapter in the book called The Valley. There's three chapters in this Life with Rough Edges book. It's The Valley, Getting Out of the Valley and Getting On With It. but 
I'm just going to read that poem now because I think it might okay. resonate. It's called We Didn't Know. We didn't know life was a maze, that we'd get lost in its twists and turns for days. Forget where we'd started and where we'd been and how to get out again. We didn't know life was a war zone. We'd be lucky to get out alive. Sustaining injuries we'd carry for the rest of our lives. Forget who we were fighting with, what we were fighting for, and if the battle was even worth it anymore. We thought life was a promise. We'd get out what we put in. Dog-leg the corners and still come out laughing. We wouldn't lose friends or money or chances or any advantages. The promise would promise better days with forevers, redemption and happy endings always. We thought life was a party, an infinite soundtrack, a thumping beat that would keep our hearts beating indefinitely. Feet always moving so we could dance in the rain through every heartache and sudden pain, but then the music stopped. We didn't know life had a rough side, an unlucky flip to its coin toss, a downside to the glitter, a dark side to the crowd, where everything isn't loud and the silence is deafening. I kind of wrote that for these moments. That's just like... Yeah, when I was going through depression, I had to write this and not resolve it. Because in those moments, you're so used to resolving all your grief and your pain yeah. and glass half full and get, mm. your, get your smile back on. But there's a, a certain sort of mindfulness mm. that has to go on in the valley yeah. so that your valley won't keep coming back at you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm glad that resonated oh, in a weird kind of 100% way. 100% oh, resonated yeah. and just speaks to the grief that he and I both feel. Yes. about how life has turned out yeah. and how we thought it would be different. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't know that there would be so much pain yeah. and yeah. evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess for us, the journey that we've shared, I mean, you've supported me through a relapse that turned into depression, that turned into the loss of my father very quickly and then my brother and then my the loss of this best friend mm-hmm. and a grandfather and then my mother had a heart attack. It was just relentless, yeah. compounded grief. And yeah. You don't have time to catch a breath. No. But um, would you agree that in these times, and you can't figure it out, but somehow you feel carried? Oh, 100%. In that week, like from the night that it happened, the network, be it small, because of the nature of what happened, the network we had supporting us, literally like the safety net underneath us that caught us in a time when we just couldn't. Yeah, catch yourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, friends that had held space for us, yeah. that loved us, um, prayed, listened, financially supported yeah. us. Not that we needed financial support or the hug, the coffee or yeah. the whatever happened, but just that practical, like, action that says, I love you. I'm here. And it's I'm just here. a reminder of presence, and wasn't it? We've got you. Yeah. And um, I was actually speaking to Captain Featherstone. Yes. <laughs> about this. <laughs> and for both of us, it was just amazing. And for him to be able to come out of that dark, dark space yes. and be greeted by people that weren't scared of yes. him, that weren't judging him, but just looked him in the eye and said, I had no idea and I'm so glad you're here. Yes. And no shame that to have there to carry. No, he didn't have to carry shame and people just loved him. Yeah. And 
our pastor was amazing. Yeah. Um, just so not scared of the darkness. Yes. And just, you know, yeah. just so real yeah. and raw and just so supportive. And it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Well, and I, I yeah. talk about, you know, sometimes you don't find your village, but your village finds you. Yeah. And they just come yeah. out of the woodwork. And yeah. I think that's one of the really redeeming qualities of humanity mm-hmm. that <laughs> we see and mm-hmm. humans that come alongside in really dark spaces. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, we find before some of these things happen, it can be a very lonely, isolated yeah. place. Yeah. But um, I'm really grateful that um, that's what Captain Bethesda and you could mm-hmm. see yeah. existed that was there already before, but sometimes yeah. we need a big reminder, yeah. especially yeah. in these times. Yeah, definitely. Oh gosh, so much stuff here, isn't mm. it? So so heavy, it but oh, so grateful at the same time of the how things have turned out. Mm. I know it's not a, a done deal, though. There's still challenges to this. There's a story in the Bible where Jacob wrestles with God, and then he walks with a limp. Mm. So, what yep. sort of limp do you think you walk with after this? Mm. That's a good question. That one wasn't in our little. No, it notes. wasn't. Is that okay mm. to pop that one on the table? It's. Sh- it's fine. I don't know how, I'll, how well I'll answer it. I guess we'll it, just see um, how it goes. You know, I was thinking about the questions you wrote down about scars. And, yeah. Um, and that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, well, you like, share, share from um, your scars, not your wounds, I yeah. guess. And we, again, we had a little chat about this because this is, you want to hear about my experience, but it's our shared experience. Absolutely. And we both agree that Look, it's still pretty fresh for us and it wasn't like things come good after that. Yeah. We're still, you know, we had a horrible night last yeah, night. Like just dealing with, you know, another triggering moment that wasn't didn't and, no. you know, as ba- nearly as badly as that. No. But they're still going through the layers yeah. of the onion and it's just hard. And I cling to that revelation that I had that night when his rope slipped mm. and I just knew that I knew despite all of the hopeless moments that we've had over the years so many hopeless moments God just grabbed me and said I saved him and that tangible like knowing that there is only one way that rope could have slipped yeah and that was by God's divine intervention intervention. yes knowing that has given me hope to hang on the consequent yeah. and oh. relentless hopeless yes. moments ever since yes because we're um, still in a life that has rough edges right yes, we live in exactly. this fallen world that yeah yeah on this side of heaven we don't always understand yeah yeah and in some ways things have got more intense since yeah. then because you know well now we have to work through that trauma yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and you've still got four kitties in their uh, lives and yes. some things yes. some more things yeah um deeper darker things that need to be worked yeah. through and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. And but the wounds, I wouldn't say we're quite at the scar stage yeah. yet. Um yeah. definitely limping. Um yes. so but it's part of us, right? So yeah. I will never like those scars will always be there. Yeah. Um I wish I looked up this up. There's a Japanese oh, art. Kintsugi. Yeah. Yes. I love it. Yes. Because Talk. explain like, that. So it? it's a Japanese art form where Something pottery or, or something precious is broken and they don't throw it away. They glue it back together with gold. Yeah. And that piece of pottery becomes even more, more beautiful, beautiful because Absolutely. it's got these veins of gold everywhere that it broke. Yes. Now has gold Absolutely. in it. And 
oh, I just think that's what our lives are like. We think that we're always striving for perfection and the end of the road where everything's just the way we dreamt and life isn't like that. But it's redefining beauty and perfection and that's the most perfect way to explain it. And it's, you know, I think my life couldn't be described any better than a beautiful mess. Sometimes it's hard to see the beauty in it, but I like to think of the scars that we get along the way, like those gold veins, because they tell a story about a person. They talk to the character of a person and the experience that they've had and And the strength. strength. Yep, yep. I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but the story of Jacob with the limp. Yeah. He carried that with him for the rest of his yeah. life and it symbolised the touch of God. I right? believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty so that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I actually subscribe to that belief that all our scars turn to gold in heaven and yeah. um, my brother who's up there now, I actually broke his nose at youth group <laughs> when we were young, but I said to him, he's going to be the envy in heaven because <laughs> he will have the best looking golden nose. <laughs> we can laugh about it now. <laughs> I don't know That's if you awesome. at the time. <laughs> but yes, I, I think it's really beautiful and um, what you've shared. And I think this is the story of redemption. I, I can't think the exact verse, but in Isaiah, there's a scripture that talks about he'll take our wood and turn mm. it to iron and then he'll take our yeah. iron and turn it to gold and mm. everything gets restored into this place that when we bring brick and iron and wood, God turns it into gold and silver and priceless things. And yeah. it's just this swap at the cross when Jesus took our place. He can take even the worst of our moments. And I know that for you, and in some ways for me, things are still pretty fresh for me, but that we're still just buckling in going, okay, God, you've still got a bit of work to do with us here, but we're hopeful that some of even this, I I think of the cross and I think if if he could turn that to good, you know, the most torturous um, human form of Mm -hmm. execution, that even God could use that and turn that to beauty and good for us, then certainly he can do something with our stories. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for coming and sharing yours today and thank you, Captain Featherstone, <laughs> for your, both of your bravery. Thanks, you. This episode has carried some pretty heavy issues, but I hope that you've been able to find some hope from the story as well. I want to remind you that if suicide has impacted your life in any way, please, please make sure you seek support so you don't walk this journey alone. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Life with Rough Edges. If anything we've discussed has brought up any issues for you, please don't hesitate to reach out and get help. Some helpful links are in the show notes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And if you know anyone who might find this podcast helpful, please share it with them. If you're enjoying this podcast, then you may find my new book, Life with Rough Edges, helpful too. It's a 90-day devotional to help you through the valley season of your life. It's as raw and honest as this podcast. It could even be a helpful gift for someone you know who is going through their own valley season. Grab a copy now at amoryskinner.com.au and while you're there, you can check out some of the other things I do. I'm a musician and a speaker. The Life with Rough Edges podcast is a REMA podcast produced by the team at REMA Newcastle.